One of the most startling and beautiful claims of scripture is that Jesus didn't come to make better people. He came to make new people. We can spend all of our life searching for better, looking for better hair, better relationships, better coffee, better family, better photos, only to find that we're always one iPhone model away from happiness. But the story of scripture and the story we've been exploring throughout this series is the idea that Jesus didn't come to make better people, he came to make new people. It says in Revelation chapter 21, verse five, that Jesus, King of heaven, is sitting on the throne and he says these words, behold, I make all things new. And the unexpected, the remarkable story of this book is the story of a God who makes all things new in the midst of the really ordinary moments of our lives, one of the reasons I love the story of the Bible is because the people who are captured within it, man, you get them in all of their rough and ready honesty. You read the story of David who is king but also the adulterer. You read the story of Sarah who in many ways walked in the promise of God but also laughed because the words of Jesus were too good to be true. You read the story of Noah who in faith built an ark but also got awfully drunk. It's the story of kings and queens, of doubters and discouraged, and in many ways it feels not too far from our own stories. And today we're going to be exploring this particular idea that when we meet and walk with God, he gives us a whole new heart. And one of the first people to speak of this was a prophet named Ezekiel. In chapter 36 of the book that Ezekiel wrote, verse 26, it says these words, and it's Ezekiel speaking as though on behalf of God himself speaking to us. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. There's so many ways that scripture speaks of this idea and other thinkers more brilliant than myself have often called it the great exchange. The idea that God takes our hearts of stone, the places where we've become settled and calcified, and he gives us a whole new heart. I was thinking about the places in my own life where this has happened, the places where I've seen God not just make my life better, but make my situation completely new. And one of the places that was simplest to share is from my teenage years. Now, when I was 16 years old, I was being homeschooled, which back then wasn't quite as cool as it is now. I mean, basically everybody's homeschooled these days, but uh, back then I'd lost a little bit of street cred around it. And not only was I being homeschooled, but I was the oldest of, at that point, six siblings and had taken on a bit of the housework as my mother wasn't very well. Our 83-year-old grandfather had moved in with us and he was awfully king tinkers. Um, he'd sometimes reach out and try to hit us with his cane if he got mad. Don't worry, you don't need to report this to CPS. I, I could always run away. He wasn't quite strong enough. And there was one moment when I said the words that every mother hopes to hear from their teenagers, mom. I don't have enough time to study. <laughs> I need more time to be a good student. And I remember my 16-year-old self being absolutely furious at the life that I had, that I couldn't be the student that I wanted to be. And my mom looked at me, and I can remember as clear as day, even though it was 20 years ago. And she said to me, Sarah, this is the life that God has given us. 
And you can either choose to be bitter and angry about it or to ask God to give you love in the midst of the circumstance you're in. And like every teenager, it was hard to trust my mom. We all know that no teenager can trust their parents have wisdom. But it was as though my mom in that moment spoke to me God's word. And I realized that I had the choice. I had the choice of either holding on to my plan for my life, my best, my goals, my dreams, or to releasing, or to use a word, surrendering my life to God and inviting him to give me a whole new perspective. The analogy that I often use for it is it's as though my fists were clenched to the life that I wanted and God was inviting me to open my hands and invite him in. And this particular idea is also described really beautifully by Dallas Willard, who says these words, the revolution of Jesus is a revolution of the human heart. It doesn't proceed by our social institution or our laws. It is a revolution of our character. It changes us from the inside out through a personal relationship with God. I tell the story of how I met God in many ways, but when I was 16 years old, there was a moment where I said, God, I need you to transform my character, to take the places where I've been clenched in anger and bitterness, and to give me a whole new heart. And the prophet Ezekiel, in the same passage that we've been reading, gives us this promise that when we ask for God to be at work in our hearts in this way, this is what God does. Ezekiel 36, verse 27, I will put my spirit within you. I will cause you to walk in my statutes if you will be careful to obey my rules. Now, some people hear this idea that God has asked us to walk in his rules and we instantly rebel. It's almost as though the hackles on our neck rise a little bit at this idea that we'd be confined. But certainly in this era of our lives, as we come out of a time of lockdown, as we think about how we can honor not just our neighbor, but our country and our world, there's this invitation to live within the boundaries that will help give life to others. And I found walking with Jesus has done exactly that for me. That when I walk within the boundaries of what he says a good life is, it gives me not only freedom for myself, but freedom for others. Because when we walk with God, when we have a new heart, it's not just for our own sake, it's also for the sake of our world. And Jesus, in many ways referring to the same passage, speaks of it in a really similar way. In the Gospel of John, one of the most quoted passages of scripture is in chapter three, where a ruler comes at night and he's searching for how to live in the best way. Don't we all wish that all of our rulers were acting in this way? And it says this his ruler, his name is Nicodemus. It came to Jesus by night and he said to him, how can I know the truth? How can I know how to walk in newness of life? And Jesus said to him something startling, something remarkable, something truly beautiful. Chapter 3, verse 5 of the Gospel of John, Jesus answered him and said, Truly, truly I say to you, unless one has been born again of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. One of the most unusual but beautiful ideas of Christianity is that we're invited to not just have a new heart by asking for a new heart, but we're invited to have a new heart by being quite literally born again. 
that when we're born again, the God of all the universe walks into our lives and transforms our hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. I was trying to think of an analogy of how I might explain this. And forgive me if you're watching from Birmingham and you're Manchester and you're quite far from the sea, but I live in Cornwall and I'm near to the sea. And I think there's a difference between looking out at the sea, taking pictures by the sea, thinking about the sea, watching the sea. There's a difference between doing those things and diving fully in. And the invitation that we have of faith is not just to watch it from a distance, not just to debate about it or discuss it, not just to wonder what it would look like, but to dive into the wide ocean of God's grace, to find a love that you never could have earned or never could have deserved, and to discover that this God says to you, I'll take the places of anger and bitterness and lust and gossip and jealousy. I'll take all of the things that have made you settled in clenched fists and I will exchange them for newness of life when you choose to walk with me. And this, this is the best invitation I know to give, to walk with Jesus and to find that he is the God who makes all things new. And wherever you're at in your journey of faith, I'd just like to invite you to take a moment and consider, what would you have to lose by asking God to give you a new heart. There's a good friend of mine named Pete Gregg who gave one of the most beautiful gospel presentations I've ever seen. And he said, why don't you consider giving your life to Jesus? It's not like you had much to lose anyway. And the reality is the invitation that we're given is to say to the God of the universe, won't you come and live in my heart? Won't you come and make new the places that have been dead. And if you'd like to do that today, here's the invitation, just to take a moment to settle in your heart and soul that invitation, and then to join me in praying this really simple prayer. Jesus, I thank you that you have come, that I might have newness of life. I thank you that you've loved me even though I never could have earned it. I thank you that you've loved me even though I never could have deserved it. I turn from the things that would keep me from walking with you. And I turn towards new life. And I ask that you would take my heart of stone and give me in its place a heart of flesh. I receive your love today. And if you've pray to that prayer, then I'll simply say this, welcome to the family of God. I believe that celebrating the good news of the God who loves us is the most beautiful journey of our lives. And whether you've walked with Jesus for many years, know that he still has newness for you. But if today is the first day that you have prayed that prayer, you've entered into a chapter with the God who has promised not only to hear, but to answer our prayers. Behold, he does not just make better people, he makes new people. And so let's walk forth today in newness of life because of the God who does exceedingly, abundantly more than what we could ask or think. Thanks so much for joining. We're going to worship with Pat Barrett as we think about what it looks like for us to build our life on the love of God.